What's up? Hello. Welcome to Sounds Fake But Okay, a podcast where an arrow ace girl, I'm Sarah, that's me. And a dummy straight girl, that's me, Kayla. And Sarah's lesbian sister, Emily. Talk about all things to do with love, relationships, sexuality, and pretty much anything else we just don't understand. On today's episode, unhealthy queer relationships. Sounds fake, but okay. sister no i really hate that what does that mean emily she's been like you know when people are like Uh, she's been doing that with a different word at the beginning of every oh that's a good one just tipping the top hat that you're not wearing tipping you don't know they don't know i mean every time kayla kayla does tip tip my you know okay um my hat what are we talking about this week (laughs) I don't know, truly. Emily, you're my sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do you want to reintroduce yourself to our listeners and then tell us a little bit about what we're talking about this week? Hello, listeners. There are many more of you since the last time I was That's on. very true. Which mm-hmm. means that more people will hear me speak. But, uh... Well, well, not, maybe, I mean, not wrong. <laughs> maybe they, no one will listen to this one. Just think about it like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm Emily. I'm... Related to Sarah in a sibling way. I'm older than her. Um, <laughs> oh my god. I, uh, I guess I'm a lesbian. As you <laughs> I guess. Uh, mm, yep, that's, I'm, I'm 23. I'm, uh, I just, uh, got my sister's car towed and I got it back. <laughs> she do you like do pina that. coladas and... Getting caught in the rain. Getting caught in the rain. Pina coladas taste like lotion. It's true. <laughs> they do taste like that. Co- all coconut tastes like lotion. I don't like coconut. I've never had coconut. You like, wouldn't like I it. I like unsweetened coconut. It's good. I don't like it. We digress. <laughs> um, and the topic is... Category is... <laughs> the category is um, unhealthy queer relationships, or what unhealthy relationships look like, how they are different in... Queer yeah. times. In times. <laughs> yeah, because just because you a person is in a queer relationship doesn't mean that there can't be unhealthy things, things that are not good, things that you want to get out of. Um, and I feel like a lot of times, too, like, people assume that in a relationship it's like, it's a man and it's a woman, so if there's something unhealthy, it's the man doing it to the woman, but like... In a queer relationship, that's not necessarily the case. And also in a straight relationship, that's not necessarily the case. So, yeah, it's a good thing to know about. So, Emily, you uh, made a Word document that got very detailed. There's a chart. I, I see a chart. Yeah. The chart was... Wait, for, can I see that No, chart the chart again? was for a different oh. pod topic I came up with. I thought I'm, I'm just taking this over because I came up with a bunch of topics and then <laughs> sent my sister a very extensive Word document that includes a chart. <laughs> See, I thought um, I had seen that chart before, because... It's in the drive. I, I, I'm looking at it on her computer, but I knew someone that was in a, an emotionally abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and I remember someone sending them a chart being like, this is what an emotionally abusive relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is yours looks the same. And I remember yeah. looking at that going, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there's... So anyway. When I was doing, I guess, research for this, because that's what I do, um... 
I found like the power and control wheel, which is a commonly used chart in any women's studies course that you may <laughs> encounter or just generally. Um, Kayla, are you in a feminism class? Yes. Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, she Every week she's got to say it. Oh, I don't have to. It just comes up. <laughs> <sighs> so this this little chart that while well, you're listening, so you can't look we at can it. We can post it. We'll post um, it. But it just covers some of the basic things that people use for power and control. And like Sarah was saying, a lot of times people assume that like unhealthy or abusive relationships, it's primarily the man. Oh, I'm supposed to talk louder? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and in the power and control wheel, they, there's actually one piece of the pie that's entirely using male mm. privilege, which I thought was interesting when I was looking at this, um, because in queer relationships, there isn't always a man, or there might be two. So yeah. it's... A, using male privilege against another man. man. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting to see it just say, like, using privilege. Yeah. I think... Part of the reason that it doesn't is because there are lots of ways that you can use privilege. So in the the piece mm. of the pie that says, like, economic abuse, if you're financially in a higher socioeconomic status than someone, that's mm -hmm. another form of privilege you could use. But yeah. when using children. I was just learning about in my class today about uh, people who kill their children. Mm. Fun stuff. I wanted to learn about more murder in that class, and then I Not started learning about that, and I kind of regretted wishing that. But part of it was, like, men killing their children to get back at their wives after, like, oh, divorce. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Horrible. Anyway. All right. Um, um, yeah, so I guess, what, what, what are the things you want to hit on? I feel like I'm in a writing consultation where I'm like, writing. what are the things you want to talk about in this episode? Um, I'm just here. <laughs> okay, just long for Well, that. one of the things that I really wanted to be on the podcast about was just to talk about that unhealthy and abusive relationships exist in queer spaces, and even if there's not a lot of research, or not research, but, like, resources, like, it still exists. So even mm. when I was just poking around online today and I was looking for just different types of resources on like the national domestic violence hotline website the tab for lgbtq abuse is like two paragraphs mm. yikes so a lot of it has to do with um like outing a person as a means of power and control in an unhealthy relationship or like things like that which is a real thing that exists but i think it's also not just limited to that i think some yeah. of the same issues that occur in unhealthy or abusive heterosexual relationships the same things exist in yeah queer relationships just yeah. perhaps not with the same gender dynamic that you might see yeah not to say that women cannot be abusive towards men but yeah they're just a there's not an inherent, like, dichotomy that's been forced onto them by society of, like, the man is the strong goop who might abuse the woman. Like, there's not already that preconceived notion of what might happen. I kind of wonder if there's, like, a lack of resources. Because you would hope that maybe, like, an LGBT or Pride Center would be a place where those resources would be. Mm -hmm. Like, that seems like a good place for 
resources for abusive queer relationships to be in that queer space. But part of me wonders if it's because, like, those queer spaces are worried about giving, like, a bad reputation to queer relationships. Like, I think, like, I feel like I've heard of, like, lesbians or gay people, like, getting divorced and being like, oh, you're making gay marriage, like, look bad because you're supposed to be, like, doing it better now that you have this privilege. stupid. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. But I kind of wonder if there's a lack of resources because you just want to make it seem like it doesn't happen. So you're like, Mm -hmm. it's okay, like these relationships are still okay and they should be allowed because look yeah. how fine they are. You or, know? like, even even if it's not, like, an intentional thing, just being, like, kind of, like, pushing it to the side because they don't want to accept that that's happening because then it just reflects poorly. Mm-hmm. Poorly, in quotes. <laughs> like, on, yeah. on like, same-sex marriage and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Or they... I mean, I think a lot of, like, LGBTQ resource centers are... Um, I guess just depending on what the political climate is like, like, obviously right now they're focusing a lot on, like, trans rights and things of that nature, which is extremely important, but just because there are so many issues, Mm -hmm. it's hard to give adequate attention to all the ones that need it, because we really kind of have to triage, like, okay, obviously, like, trans rights are at the top of the list right now yeah there's a lot of other things but right. that's where the attention needs to go and just there's that's the group that's most at risk yeah yeah mm-hmm. so it's it's like okay we kind of got over the hump of gay marriage oh. <laughs> that was my computer um got over the hump of gay marriage becoming legalized like what's next so there's sort of a limit in in um the amount of resources, I suppose. And then the other piece of it, too, is, like, a lot of the times people who are in unhealthy and abusive relationships, it becomes very normalized, and so there isn't, there may not be people that are like, oh, I think I'm in an unhealthy relationship, let me Google what that is, because Mm -hmm. if you're in it for a certain period of time, then it just feels normal, Mm -hmm. and that's not correct, too. But that's not specific to queer relationships, that's just any relationship but i think also if it is a queer relationship it could decrease the likelihood that someone from the outside realizes something's wrong because if they're not expecting it because there's a lack of resources because there's this lack of like like gender dynamics i wonder also if there's like a small percentage of people that are in queer relationships that maybe aren't out yet or like both partners are out aren't out or the relationship isn't super like public and so mm-hmm. they can't go get resources without outing themselves like yeah. they literally can't go get help without potentially like putting themselves in other kinds of harm yeah that's fair that's valid mm-hmm. the other thing too is there isn't as much relationship modeling for queer couples so like you can there's lots of examples of like healthy heterosexual partnerships that you can in your real life or in the media or mm-hmm. in shows or things like that that you can look at and be like that's a great example of what a healthy relationship looks like and that those types of the patterns you see in those relationships don't always translate onto exactly what the dynamic is like if you're in a queer relationship and so it might be harder to identify when the differences in your relationship go beyond just yeah this is a 
two women are going to act differently than a man yeah. and a woman to this is now right. unhealthy. Right. And also just because like a lot of those like modeled relationships of like this is what a relationship should look like. I mean, it does kind of play on, like, gender roles, and so, like, if you don't have those gender roles, whether it's a straight relationship or not, like, you just may not realize things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You included a lot of links here. Yeah, I did. What? what what's happening? Oh, I just put those in if you wanted to read them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What is there anything specific about them that? Um, well, the one that I highlighted in yellow, yeah, um, just is a generic sort of spectrum between like a healthy and unhealthy, and an abusive relationship, which I think is a good list that mm. in other times in my life I would have liked to have seen. Mm. Not that I don't know if I would have acknowledged it, but yeah, it does seem helpful. Also, just like stuff like that. I think is applicable in a lot of situations, not necessarily always, like, romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are in a QPR with someone, if you're just, like, good friends with someone, maybe you live together, like, that sort of thing. Um, and we'll we'll post this mm-hmm. um, on the Patreon. We'll put it on our Twitter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's just talking about, like... Because it is interesting seeing it as, like, a, more of a spectrum between healthy, unhealthy, and abusive. Because I feel like a lot of times people view it as, like, there's good and there's bad. But there's also kind of, like, a middle ground, which I think is, it's interesting to see it, like, explicitly laid out that way. Mm-hmm. Another thing, too, that is, I get, different for the queer community is there's a higher rate of mental illness with people who identify mm-hmm. as LGBTQ+. Plus. Um, and so that can have an impact both on people who are perpetrators of abuse or enabling an unhealthy relationship and also people who are victims of that. And that could be a whole nother episode of just like how mental illness and queer identities interact because that's a a lot. I could talk about that for an hour. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but that's. In my experience, that has been something that has been very salient in relationships that has caused issues. So, Emily, I know that you have had some experiences with um, relationships that have not been totally healthy. Um, can can you speak to those about how that's been as a, as a queer woman in that situation? Yeah, um... I, that was, like, one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk about this on here, and I'm not super articulate about exactly my message. I'm, you ask my professor, taught us about health communications, my messaging is poor, but, um... <laughs> this is I don't good. even know what that sentence This meant. is good practice. Um, <laughs> so I was in a relationship that was, I'm a woman, the relationship was with a woman, and... It became unhealthy and abusive eventually, Um, and it's taken me a while to kind of process that and figure out what happened, because when you're in the situation, that's like, that's all you know, and it's very difficult to see outside of what's happening to you immediately, so it's very, very difficult for you to remove yourself 
and to look at it objectively and say, this is what's happening, this is wrong, because when you're in the middle of it, you can't see a way out, um, and... And you're used to it, like, it's normalized. Right, and so a lot of what I was experiencing was, um, like, a lot of isolation and saying things about my friends that would lead me to be afraid to talk to them about what was going on with me and also just not really validating my feelings and it's difficult to explain um well um and then eventually led to at the very end some just Emotional extortion is a good word. (laughs) Um, As well as some, I guess, using physical force and manipulation to stop me from leaving um, a situation where I felt very unsafe. And it was also complicated by the fact that my former partner had a lot of mental illness issues that were happening around that time and for me as someone that had also had experience with mental illness I felt some sort of sort of duty or obligation to support that person through the process but at some point it crossed a line it went from me supporting someone through their process of of dealing with mental illness to me being stuck in a relationship where if I left, I was genuinely afraid that my former partner would severely hurt themselves. And so that's something that's very tricky and complicated and something that a lot of people deal with. Yeah. And I think a lot of people stay in relationships like that because it's like, Oftentimes they do care about the other person, but they just are end up prioritizing that person over their own, like, well-being and safety. Yeah. I mean, and, I can't count the amount of, like, stories I've heard. Like, even in the media, it's, I feel like it's a common trope or, like, actual people I know being like, I want to break up with this person, but they're threatening to kill themselves. Yeah. And it puts people in a really tough spot of you know trying to deal with your own safety and health and of someone else yeah and that happens in straight relationships and queer relationships Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it was yeah there was just there's a lot of factors playing into it and i mean like i said it's you're so deep into it that you're so fixated on like making sure that this person doesn't harm themselves that you don't know how to take care of yourself and that's it's a hard place to be because I think where I was at, I didn't know who to ask for help, or I didn't know what to do, or I didn't, there was no clear answer, because when you think of, like, typical abuse, you just think of some big scary guy that's, like, hitting or punching his wife or girlfriend. There's less for, like, in the context of dealing with mental illness and still having abusive behaviors yeah however that being said i want to make sure this is very clear no matter what someone's going through mental illness or otherwise they're accountable for their actions and it's never your fault and you can never blame yourself for 
something that happens to you, even if some of those behaviors are a result of addiction or mental illness or something else. They're always accountable for those behaviors, no matter what. Yeah. Something like mental illness, the way I like to think of it is like, mental illness and addiction, that sort of thing, it might be a reason for a behavior, but it's not an excuse for a behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, a, a good way to think of it. Yeah, because you could, I mean, even if you don't want to think of it as that person's fault, like, you could just say it's the fault of the mental illness. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, legally it gets weird with, like, legal insanity. Yeah. That people are found, like, not guilty for reasons of insanity, so yeah. it's like, I don't know, the, the blame is kind of put on the mental illness rather than the actual mm-hmm. person, but... Yeah, but it's still them. It's still... Definitely not the victim that's doing anything. Well, and I think it's, if there's someone who is untreated or not being treated properly for a mental illness and exhibits abusive behaviors, and then they are properly treated and engaging with whatever they need to be doing, and then are no longer exhibiting those behaviors, like, that's great, that's awesome, that's the goal, but no matter what, they're still accountable for what they did. Mm Mm-hmm when they were not in the place, when they're not in a good place. Even, even like, with myself, if I'm, I don't know, I can't think of a good situation. Well, I'm just thinking, like, say you're, like, this is a different situation, but, like, it's the same idea. It's like, say you're very depressed, and you don't do any of your homework, and you don't turn in any of your homework, and your teacher's like, I need to give you a zero. You can talk to your teacher and explain what happened and be like, this is what's going on, and they may make some accommodations for you, but they're probably not going to give you full credit. No, you still have to take the zero. It's still up to you to do the work and you didn't do it. And so they may, they may be, you know, they may be accommodating, but it's still your actions that you are dealing with. I think there's like a level of understanding when it has to do with mental illness. Like if I was really depressed and anxious and was like rude to someone or like Mm -hmm. lashed out at someone, Mm -hmm. like... I think there would probably be a level of understanding of, like, you didn't fully mean to do that, but, like, you're still the one that did that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was something that I didn't understand and I had never had modeled for me. Like, there isn't, there's not a manual for, like, how to deal or how to be in a relationship with someone that has a pretty significant mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I was always, like, as far as, like, my experiences with, like, anxiety and depression, like, that when I entered the relationship had been something that I had not overcome, but had been working on and been dealing with and been actively seeking treatment for, for five years prior to me entering the relationship. So I was always very much interested in being like an advocate for mental health and supporting people as they were going through that process but there is there is a line in the sand between supporting someone through a difficult time and sacrificing your own mental health sacrificing your relationships with other people sacrificing relationships with your family with your friends because your identity and your your passion shouldn't be in a relationship. Yourself is always number one, and you have to be the best you can be for yourself, not for someone else. Yeah, and that's something we've said multiple times on this podcast, is, like, 
you and your safety and your health are always the thing that comes first and some it might make you feel guilty for like putting yourself before another person but i mean at some point it's just gonna have to happen because and and you just like do your best like it's no one's expecting you to be perfect and if someone is expecting you to be perfect then that's an unrealistic expectation and maybe they should not I also think it's important to note that, like, that kind of, like, relationship or that kind of, like, balance is not, like, since I know we have a lot of asexual and aromantic listeners Mm -hmm. that might not date or be in those kind of relationships, Mm -hmm. that that's still very much so a thing in friendships. Mm -hmm. Like, I know someone that's helping a friend right now through something and, like, it's taxing and it's Mm -hmm. hard and it's, like, it's hard on their friendship and it's like stressing that person out to help them and it's impacting their health too. Mm -hmm. So like, this is not just something that happens in like a romantic relationship very much. So in friendships, there can also be the balance of trying to take care of someone and that's putting your own health at risk. Yeah. And like, this isn't to say that like, Oh, you should never be friends with someone who has a mental illness. Cause that's bullshit. Like that would be stupid. And even in a relationship, like that's absolutely not, yeah, not at all. Yeah, but you you have to be realistic about your expectations of a person, I think. And um, it may take some time to figure out, like, what what's going on and, like, where you are and where they are. But I think, in the end, you can't just let them get away with everything for the sake of, like, being a good friend or being a good significant other or like not wanting to upset them that sort of thing yeah and I know I was almost embarrassed or I felt a sense of pride like I like I'm too proud to ask for help or I'm too proud to admit that like this isn't working classic Costello behavior exactly (laughs) but like I'm too proud to talk to someone about this and like I've been trying so hard to convince myself that it's working that I need to convince other people that it's working yeah even when it's not. And so, I guess in my situation, the bubble kind of burst in a 24-hour time span. And then... It was short. It was... Yeah. And then I was kind of left to pick up the pieces. And I had a lot of really hard conversations with friends and with family about just where I was at and, like, how a lot of this stuff had been happening and they didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know a lot. Yeah. There was a lot that I didn't know. Yeah, I guess if you have anything to add about your outside perspective yeah. of this. For me it was just I think there were there were two things that oh. two things that really stood out to me were the first one was something that I noticed throughout the entire relationship. And that was that when you were with that person, you acted different than you did when you were not with that person. And that was something that I didn't like. Partially because I was like, this is dumb. Like, why should you be changing your behavior for someone you're in a relationship with? And also because I didn't like that version of you as much. I mean, I'm assuming you mean, like, a major change. Like, noticeable. Yeah, because I think, like, people act different in different social circles yeah. often. That's but it, pretty But it was, like, but... in even in social circles that you were already comfortable in, like, with family mm-hmm. and stuff, if she was there, you would act differently. Um, and I... Did not like that. (laughs) Um, And then I think the other thing that I really remember is I remember towards the end, um, you were complaining about your friends 
complaining about I don't know exactly what it was yeah um but to me like what your friends were saying made sense Mm -hmm. and I was a little bit worried about the fact that you were being so defensive of the person you were dating I mean I didn't have the whole story but it just it didn't settle right for me and those were like the two big things that were red flags to me yeah yeah and I think that's definitely if your friends are if you're in a situation like that and your friends are concerned about something they're not concerned for no reason there's a difference between having a friend that's like I don't like your boyfriend because he plays hockey like that's yeah that's it's one thing to have a friend that's like critical of trivial things yeah but there's a big difference between your friends who, I mean, my friends who I had lived with and were my best friends that I had been close with for four years who were showing concern. And that's mm-hmm. something that I just d- didn't respond to well. Mm-hmm. Um, well but they were right. Yeah, and I think you don't have to listen to every single person because... I don't know, maybe someone is trying to sabotage your relationship. I, like, I doubt it. But, you know, like, not everyone has the best of intentions, but if you look at the people closest to you, especially the people who you have known longer than the person you're in a relationship with, because it's very unlikely that you're not going to have someone who knew you before you started dating this person. And, um, so, like, you have to trust them. Um, and that could be hard especially when you're in it so deep that like you don't see all of the issues but especially like if I brought an issue to one of my friends I'm so non-confrontational if I brought an issue to them it's a problem like if you brought something to me about a relationship I'm in like that would be taken extremely seriously about like hey I don't think this person is being good yeah. Like, you coming to me and saying that would mean mm-hmm. something is, like, truly quite wrong. Yeah, so I think definitely look at who it's coming from, and, you know, you you can take it with a grain of salt, because obviously no one's going to be in your relationship, other than you and the person or people you're in a relationship with. But it is important to have trusted people, because you should always still have your own friends. And that's mm-hmm. something that I think is an issue with a lot of relationships, mm-hmm. is people get into a relationship and they just ditch all of their old Well, friends. and I think that's one of the ways that usually the abuser gains more power, is they purposely isolate the person from their friends yeah. so that they have no outside resources to go to. Yeah. yeah. Well, looking looking at the, the little link that I'm always talking about, like under unhealthy it says, only spending time with your partner, your partner's community is the only one you socialize in. And that's for unhealthy. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not abusive. That's just unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, abusive is isolates other partner. One yeah. partner controls where the other goes and who they talk to. Yeah, they isolate their partner from family and friends. I've watched that before. That's not cute. Yeah. Um, I would say just like adding on, to, uh, like with taking things with a grain of salt. Something that was interesting that I was told by my therapist was like thinking about like the other models that the people giving you advice or giving you thoughts in your relationship mm, have for yeah. relationships. So she was saying like you know you're the people you know in your life may have grown up with their parents exhibiting like a certain kind of love or Mm -hmm. having a certain kind of relationship and that's my way 
maybe why they think a certain thing about your relationship. Or maybe they saw similar red flags in their own life. Right. And they're recognizing them again. So yeah, thinking about how someone's experience or how their ideal model of a relationship is Mm -hmm. or their 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 model of the bad relationship yeah i think is something interesting to think about yeah because i think we all kind of assume that we all have the same model of how a relationship should go and we just don't yeah yeah Yeah. and i think obviously this isn't something that you know in advance and this is something i figured out in retrospect is that like the friends and the people that were showing concern and were worried that i said nasty things too and i treated poorly and just did things that I should never have done were there to support me when the relationship ended even Mm -hmm. though they should they didn't have to be but they Mm -hmm. were um and they're still my best friends and I couldn't ask for anything more um oh (laughs) sorry emotions from a costello get out because the people I'm talking about aren't in the room. Um, <laughs> that's totally fair. Is Valid. But such a custom. Are you crying? <laughs> oh, well, it's very nice. Yeah. Um, I think only one of them listens to this podcast, and they only listen sometimes, so. Oh, hello. But if they, if they see that you're on it, they'll probably listen. Yeah, they probably will. Um, but. Haha, <laughs> now they know you like them. Yeah, they do, unfortunately. Um, but, like, they. They were still my true friends no matter, like, what was happening. And so you can't predict that behavior from people. But me, in retrospect, like, Mm -hmm. they were right all along. Would you say, Sarah, I mean, I think it's a little different. But, like, would you say from watching someone go through kind of an unhealthy or an abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. has that affected how you think about your relationships to other people? I don't know. I think it's it's interesting just because... I don't have romantic relationships, so mm. I don't have that same... It's not exactly parallel. Um, but I think it does make me a little bit more thoughtful when I'm looking at my relationships, but also the relationships of other people around me. I feel like I'm more aware, um, and I feel like I'm more likely to notice a red flag or notice something that just doesn't, doesn't settle right. Um, and I think... It hasn't really happened, but I think I would be a little bit more likely to notice if something were going wrong in one of my own relationships. Obviously, it's always harder from the inside, but I, 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 I hope that I would be better at, at catching it, mm-hmm. or I would at least be more open to listening to people when they say, here's a red flag. Like, Emily, if you were like, there's a red flag here, I'd be like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> she, she knows. She knows. <laughs> yeah. Because I think yeah. I watched an emotionally abusive relationship very closely for several years when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that was obviously like a very formative time in my life too. Mm-hmm. And like, it was a situation I was very close to. Um, and I mean, I do have romantic relationships, but for me, it affected me immensely. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was something that affected how I, like, deal with my, like, romantic relationships and what Mm -hmm. I think about other people. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting that, like, as someone that wasn't even in it and was separated from it, that I still, like, there was still a lot of I mean, I can even see how that has impacted you. Yeah. Just in talking to you about 
relationships yeah. and things. I, yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trauma! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I guess, Emily, do you have any pieces of advice for anyone who... I guess this is two questions. Do you have any pieces of advice for anyone who might be in an unhealthy or abusive relationship and, like, recognizing that? And then also, as someone who's been in a relationship that was not the most healthy, what was the the best thing that others did to help you realize and help you get out of it? Um, I'm gonna answer the second one first. I honestly think that I wouldn't have been able to leave the relationship if someone had, like, dragged me or told me. Like, Mm -hmm. I needed to get to a point where I was like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not entirely sure if things that other people said to me were really the turning point. Like, I heard them and they Mm -hmm. were stored in my brain space. Yeah. But I didn't really hear them. Right. And sometimes that makes you even more resistant. Well, yeah, I think when I was watching one happen, we even, like, people from the outside were even giving advice of, like, don't push them too hard. You Mm -hmm. don't want to drive them away. And they need to come to terms with it themselves. Like, you can't. Like, at some point, you need to stop pushing because Mm -hmm. it's going to make it worse. As difficult as it is to watch this. Yeah. You have to let this person. You have to let them do it themselves. Because if they don't. And, like, if your, if your mom had, like, told you you're, and, like, you're in college now, so it wouldn't have really worked, but if, like, your mom had been, like, you're forbidden from seeing this person, like, that would have made it worse, because then now you mm-hmm. resent your mom, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, it's, uh, it's hard to forcibly remove someone, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not really a good answer. But... Well, I guess, like, what, what's the best thing that a person can do in a situation if they think someone close to them is in an abusive relationship? Um, just show your, your support for that person and just sort of, like, make your presence known of, like, hey, I'm always here for you, like, if you ever want to talk or go somewhere, like, just making sure that you, you see that someone is supporting you, even if they're maybe disagreeing with the choices you're making, because Mm -hmm. knowing that you have those, like, strong supports in your life is what makes it possible to leave. Yeah. And, like, once you finally come to terms with the fact that maybe you do need to ask for help, you know who you can ask for help. Right. And so that was my answer to the first question of, like, Mm -hmm. what advice would be to never underestimate what people who support you are willing to do for you. Mm -hmm. Well, because I've even had a situation where someone I was friends with in high school um, got into a relationship and that person did the thing where they just ditched the rest of their friends. And I remember um, at one point they thought that that relationship was over. And so they called one of my other friends who was like their closest friend um, when I was in high school. And they were like, like, help me. We broke up. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Turns out that they didn't break up. But that was a weird situation. It was a really <laughs> weird situation. But the friend who they called was like, "Okay, what do you need?" And it was it was kind of like a getting over your pride situation, like it hurts that you ditched me, <laughs> but they were willing to show up 
And then they were like, and then the, the original person was like, actually, we didn't break up. And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know if they would do that again because there's been a, you know, the yeah. a, a false. Yeah, they cried wolf. They cried wolf. But even though it had been a number of years and they hadn't really talked, like, that person was willing to help them. And I feel like there are a lot of people who I would be willing to help in that situation. Yeah. Just thinking of people in my own life. Yeah, and I, I think for me, like, I had to swallow my pride and, like, ask people to do things that I never in a thousand years would have ever wanted or asked them to do, mm. i.e. you, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, and my mom. But just realizing that, like, those people do love you and they care about you and that it's not a burden for you to ask for help. That's such a big one. Well, because, like, I think, especially for people with mental health issues Mm -hmm. in relationships, like, I know something I struggle with in relationships a lot is feeling like a burden because I have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And, like, so I think that's a really big thing of, like, knowing that it's okay to ask and, like, that that person's not gonna, like, be like, oh my god, they're, like, asking me for help. Yeah, well, like, when, when you asked things of me, I was like, oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, I'll be there. Like, like, I was like, this is not something that I would want to do in any other situation, but, like, well, the fact this is an unsafe situation for you, yeah. and, like, you need help, so I'm going to be that help. Like, I, I didn't think twice about yeah. doing it once I understood what was going on. And I think one of the hardest things for me in that whole situation was realizing that I was putting you in a situation where you were physically at risk Mm -hmm. also and that was something that I think as the older sister felt like very protective and like didn't want Mm -hmm. you to be in that situation but like you were my sister so you were gonna help me yeah um I wasn't gonna just say no yeah (laughs) like (laughs) Um, feeling it today thank you yeah but like we just said yeah exactly the same at the same time um sisters (laughs) but it was something where I was like you know it's okay to to ask for that. Mm-hmm. Mom's gonna be so happy when she hears. Mom's this gonna love this. She's episode. gonna cry. She will. She'll I'm probably, like almost crying. She'll probably right now. she'll like, probably text us. She's gonna go insane. She'll probably make dad listen to it too. Probably. And he'll be like, "Your dad okay. is the only one of your family that hasn't been on yet." He he's a man of few words. You know, my my mom desperately wants to be on. But I don't know what she would talk about. She's also, like, kind of quiet and, like, shy, kind of. So but I also kind of not. I, she's not one that I would think would be, like, I want to be on the podcast, yeah. you know? Like, she's... I think she's just jealous of Julie. I think she's jealous of Julie. <laughs> but... Well, we can have my dad and your mom co-host and see Yes! <laughs> Get rid of me and Sarah. It's just your dad and my mom. Jack and himself. Sandy. <laughs> wow, that would be iconic. I've Amazing. had no family members on, and you've had, like, everyone, and we've had Miranda's mom. <laughs> we haven't had anyone from my family. Amazing. Um, I guess, is there anything else you want to add about, um, unhealthy queer relationships, unhealthy relationships in general? Any parting words you would like to impart on our listeners? I think it can be, it's very, 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 scary to make the jump to leave but that's not as scary as what could happen if you stay yeah so sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and just go which i don't understand the phrase bite the bullet like does that mean someone shoots you and you catch the bullet in your mouth i don't (laughs) understand that but anyway i'm not that's kind of what i always 
imagine. Anyway, sometimes you just is have it to... like is like biting the bullet something you would do if someone is like cutting your leg off without anesthetic, and you're like, I need to bite a bullet oh, so that maybe that... so that it's like. Maybe that is I don't scream and die, you know? Oh, she's Googling it. Yeah, I'm looking it up. (laughs) What's the etymology of bite the bullet? What's the other one that I... There's some one about a nail. What's the... What's the saying? No, it's a different one about a nail. That is a door... No. That is a doornail? No, it's a doorknob. No, it's a doornail. That is a... It's that is a doornail. I don't understand that one. Hmm. It makes me think of the prelude. Oh, it's, it's about biting, like, a bullet when you're, like, to... Like biting on something when you're in pain. I was okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sometimes Amazing. you just need to bite something while your leg cuts gets cut off and just leave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's valid. And unhealthy and abusive relationships can happen in any type of relationship. It could be a familial relationship. It can be a romantic slash sexual relationship. It can be a friendship. It can be a lot of different things. It can be straight. It can be queer. It can be polyamorous. It, it can be a lot of different things. Um, and I'm only one person, and this is only my experience, so I can't, mm-hmm. I can't speak to the experiences of other people, and I know a lot of other queer people have a lot of very different experiences for me, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're not saying that you should be afraid of every relationship, but I think... Don't be me! <laughs> I'm in a very happy relationship now. Like, believe me, kids, you can get over yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's hope. There's, there's hope, hope, y'all. She seems quite lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, she is. So I think hi. Is she listening. Oh, she'll probably listen to this one because I'm in it. Hi. <laughs> um. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> no, this is the narwhal from Elf, not the Get it turtles. Together, no, I know, but it makes me think. Of Bye, that. buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> I'm glad that we gave everyone that. <laughs> Also, you were even closer to the mic, so they're going to get such good quality. Um, <laughs> loud as she's been all episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm, I, we're not saying that you should be afraid of every relationship. But I think it is important to be able to look at your relationships as objectively as you can. And sometimes the emotions can run very high, and it can be difficult to do that. But for your own health and safety and sanity, it's something that you should probably do every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And take your time. Do what you need to do when you think it is the right time to do it. Correct. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Correct. And that's the tea. All right. Um, what's our poll for this week? I've been thinking about that for the past couple minutes, and truly, I've got nothing. I also have nothing. Do you have anything? Or we could do an open-ended question where it's like, do you know of any resources? Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. one. So people can collect them. Yeah, so like we're going to have another open-ended poll. Remember when we, like, didn't used to do a lot of open-ended I polls? I think they're good, and they get more numbers. Oh my god, Kayla. They do. People love the open-ended polls. Fair. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're going to have an open-ended poll. We're going to be posting some resources that Emily found. We might look for a couple more ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if any of you out there know of additional resources for unhealthy and abusive relationships, especially for queer communities, for um, the ace community, we would like to see them. Maybe we could put them on our website. I was thinking about that, because we're going to have a resource area. Yeah. That'd be a good thing. So maybe have. that could be part of it. Plug in our website. So much. Well, it's not there. None of it is there yet. I'm It'll busy. Be I have a paper to go right after that. Uh, okay, yeah. Cool. Uh, what's your beef of the week, Emily? Mm. 
Yeah, I, I'm never I prepared. never, I'm never prepared. My beef of the week is that oh. my sister's freaking car got towed, <laughs> and it took me three hours to find it. <laughs> and How could you not find it? Oh, it's a story that's too long for this oh, podcast. My. I had to call the lady at the towing company four times. I went in person. I had to call the police for the our... Police? not not Just the non-emergency number, not the real number. <laughs> oh, okay. Um... <laughs> To see if they had it. They didn't have it. Then I had to call the county. Then I had to call the, the county again. <laughs> um, and then I had to pay $317 to get it that's back. That's not fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my beef of the week. It's a good one. But her, I got her, a, sister, her sister being me. I'm her only sister. Yeah, it was my car. It was her car. <laughs> I love that. That's my beef of the week. My beef of the week is that I had to ride on five planes this break. Oh my god, it's so hard. I know that's a privilege, but also I used to really like flying because I didn't do it often, so I was like, ooh, how fun, like the airport, and I get to go on a plane and free movies, but then I did it, like, way too many times, and I think I ruined it for myself, which is sad, because I used to like it. Yeah. I used to be really good about beef of the weeks because I would write them down throughout the week. Um, I don't know. It seems like kind of a negative thing to do. No, it wasn't like I would actively think about it, but, like, something would happen, I would be like, ha! Like, I want to remember this. Oh, um, uh, can I give another one for yeah, you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, I was given an assignment in one of my classes that we have to fill out, like, type on the document as our response, except they gave us a PDF. <laughs> and if you convert it to a Word document, it's, the formatting's gonna get all weird. Can you edit it? No. Is it not editable? No. So I'm having to retype it all, which is that's bad. stupid. That wow. is truly some of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a bad one. <laughs> I have a pretty minor beef of the week, and that is mud. Just mud. Walking in it, playing sports in it, difficult. Mud. Mm. Anti-mud. Mm. Except sometimes it's useful for, like, making houses. I saw a really sad story about how people in... Oh, I'm bad. Some third world country are resorting to eating mud oh dear that was in um haiti mm. i believe so that's not good yikes no. yep they were just like cooking little mud pancakes and i was like oh, that is no. very sad it was very sad it might not be haiti don't quote me on that i'm sorry that i, am <laughs> I not thought it last, wasn't... last week i mixed I up vietnam and singapore African country oh but truly oh who knows. oh quick update on the bachelor oh my god <laughs> We know all of you hate it. Yeah, we know all we of you hate saw. it. We're still We've updating you. We've seen you. Colton dumped the other two girls. Mm-hmm. He's with Cassie now. But Cassie doesn't, doesn't seem as invested as he is. He told her I dumped the other girls, and apparently she was like, well, f- her face was the face of, fuck, he wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah. But I guess I didn't want, I was busy, which I was very sad about because I wanted to watch these episodes, but apparently it was highly alluded to that he finally lost his virginity, even though he I don't care. Yeah, but you can find that poll. Uh, tell us more about your hatred for The Bachelor. Or defend The Bachelor to our many followers who hate The Bachelor. Or tell us about your beef of the week at our Twitter at SoundsFakePod. Uh, we also have a website, SoundsFakePod.com. All of our social media is SoundsFakePod. Our email address is SoundsFakePod at gmail.com. If you want to email us, if if you feel if you have been in a situation like this or you've been privy to one and you feel comfortable, you know, sending us an experience, whether or not you want us to share it with our listeners, that can be up to you. If but you just I want would, like an ear. Yeah, if if you'd or like to eye. email us or DM us or whatever about that, 
Um, or about anything else. Or about cows. We get a lot of we get a lot of good messages. We love about cows. I have a question, Kayla. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> do you eat beef? I do eat beef. That is not taking good care of a cow. That is a <laughs> no more cow. I don't eat beef. I like to think of it that I have nothing on that. So I am the superior cow carer. I'm thinking of stopping to eat beef because baby cows are so cute. <laughs> I would like to not eat beef because I like I know it's unhealthier for you, and I don't cook it's it. It's really bad for the environment I, too. I know, and I only eat it when I eat out. Like mm-hmm. I only cook chicken for myself. Like yeah. I'll only ever cook white meat for myself, so I don't eat it often. Mm-hmm. But I do like a burger. I was just reading about how bad cows are for the environment, but and not not them. just like cows, but it's like their but like. It's the toots. It's their toots. And, it, and, it's, to, and it's the like, way we treat them. And it's yeah. the way we... We need to, like, attach a filter to their buttholes to filter their toots. <laughs> Thoughts? Cow butthole filters. All right. Um, filters. Cow filters. <laughs> we also have a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. You want to give us money for the listen to more of <laughs> for this? To, to create the filter. Ooh, we should make a GoFundMe for the bill. Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> Wouldn't oh it boy! Be an anus filter, <laughs> but it's a butthole filter. So it's a filter. You want it to be an. You want a more an, technical term? A milter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anus filter. Anil. Anus. Anilter. Anilter. But I could just make it sound like it's a nilter. Anilter. Anilter. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's so. <sighs> We'll workshop it. We'll get back to you. If you have any ideas, let us know. Good. All right. Well, if for some reason after hearing that you want to give us money, you can donate to our Patreon or to our PayPal. Our $2 patrons are Keith McBlaine, Roxanne, Alice is in Space, Amy, Austin Siegel, Anonymous, Quinn Pollock, and our new one, Nathan Dennison. Who I think bought a patronage in the middle of the night. It was 3 a.m. As an impulse purchase. So. And he tweeted about it. And then he, he, he thought was, it was a dream. He was once on our pod. He was um, once Don't pod. you know him? Yeah. Yeah, we know him. Oh, okay. He's like, um, yeah, he was on our pod moons ago. Many, many our moons only, ago. A long time ago. Our only male our guest. Our only male guest. So he's a $2 patron, so he doesn't get to promote anything. But you know what? I'll do it for him this week. Uh, listen to the episode that he's on. <laughs> That's really just promoting us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our $5 patrons are Jennifer Smart, The Street, The Vinicota, Austin Lay, Drew Finney, Perry Fierro, and my Aunt Jeannie. Hey, Aunt Jeannie. Oh, Aunt Jeannie. Yeah. <laughs> She's a great aunt. I saw Aunt Jeannie's uh, Instagram. She followed us. It's mm-hmm. like band mom something. Oh, I was yeah. like, yes. She's a hardcore band <laughs> I mom. I love okay. that. Our $10 patrons are Kevin and Tessa, who can be found on Twitter, at Dirty Uncle Kevin, and at Tessa underscore M underscore K. Sarah Jones, who is Eternal Lolly. I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it. Mm-hmm. On all social media. And um, Arkness, who would like to promote the Trevor Project. We also have our $15 patrons. Wow, this is getting tiring. Nathaniel White, who can be found at NathanielJWhiteDesigns.com, and our anonymous $15 patron. Do I get to promote something? Yeah, you, you can. Well, what would you like to promote? This is the same as I promoted last time, except I am in much more debt than I was the last time I was on the pod. Um, <laughs> so if you'd have any checks uh, you'd like to send me, I am a graduate student. Um, <laughs> you can DM them on Twitter, and they will give you an appropriate address. I accept... She's got a Venmo? I do have a Venmo. I accept any amount of money. Um, or make a sounds fake Venmo. <laughs> or if you'd like to just send a check directly to the U.S. Department of Education on my behalf, great. <laughs> Do you want to like promote any of your social media or not? Uh, no, because I deleted all my social media off my phone because they were becoming a distraction. Okay. How healthy of you. 
Yeah. Well, now I just read the New York Times as a distraction. <laughs> that sounds sad. I mean, but that's, it's good because you're it's informing good, yourself. But I like to stay informed. Yeah, the news is always Like, I'm way sad. more informed these days now that I've subscribed to some, some newsletters. I read them every day. <laughs> a newsletter? Like a neighborhood newsletter? No. Well, like, I, I subscribe to the skim. I subscribe the to, skim, the, yes. to the crooked media, like, what a day newsletter, which is, like, all of the political news from that day. And then I subscribe to, like, the Hollywood Reporter and Variety, so I get You're all of the Hollywood so news. Cool. It's relevant to me. Listen, I don't know what you want. My beef of the week is Lori Laughlin. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that, and then I forgot about it, and then... And what's-her-face, that other woman. Yeah. Felicity something. Felicity Hoffman? Yeah, they're... As if their kids weren't already privileged enough. <laughs> Didn't already have enough of an advantage. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. I'm mad. Okay, that's all. <laughs> um, Emily, thank you for being on the pod. Thank you to our listeners for listening. Tune in next Sunday for more Rest in Your Ears. And until then, take good care of your cows. Except Kayla eats them. Don't I like the burger. It's all shame me. It's also not good that, like, the way we treat cows in terms of getting milk from cows is not good. Yeah, but you love... Yeah, how about that, Sarah? You are the biggest lover of milk. But it's not as bad as killing them for eating purposes. Still not good. So really, neither of us take good care of cows. Please do better than us. Gotta go, bye. (laughs)